Hey, you're listening to Zoe Nutt, my guest on this episode of Unbeatable. Picture this in your mind. You're a happy-go-lucky kid. Everything is going great for you, but you start to notice that you can't hear as well as your brothers. Your parents start to notice that you're not learning, you're not speaking like every other child your age. And then at eight years old, they take you in and you talk to a doctor who tells you you are losing your hearing. Pretty soon, you've lost all hearing in one ear. But wait, it gets worse. Because as a young woman, you wake up one day and you can't hear anything at all out of the other ear, not knowing if that hearing is ever going to come back. My guest, Zoe Nutt, went through a lifetime of struggling with hearing loss, but not only did she struggle through it well, she's turned it into a music career. Literally, she writes songs, she drops records, she's got a couple of releases that are out right now in spite of her progressive degenerative hearing loss. Hey, if you're struggling... If you're going through some hard times, you're really going to be encouraged by what you hear in this episode of Unbeatable with Zoe Nutt. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Strucker. It's the holiday season. You look very festive today. For those of you who are driving and listening to this over your radio She's coming into the studio from her home in Nashville. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your childhood and how you fell in love with music because the people that recognize your name are immediately going to associate you with your country music career. But how did this love of music start for you? Um, yeah, I uh, growing up, I never... As a child, I never said, hey, I want to be a musician or a, or a singer. I don't think I, I didn't really comprehend at the time that that's a real job. Those, you know. <laughs> you can make money um, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it seemed a little pie in the sky. Um, and, but I, growing up, I did really love music, especially lyrics. And it really all stemmed from my parents and especially my dad um, growing up uh, and driving us to school. He'd always play whatever music he liked and would ask me, you know, what the lyrics meant to certain songs. Um, really? Yeah. Um, he would do that with all of us. I have three younger brothers too, but he especially, I think, um, asked me a lot and, uh, yeah, wouldn't let, let us out of the car unless we knew what that Johnny Cash song was about or, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, or whatever it may be. But, um, so I think the love for lyrics really came from that, especially being someone who's grown up with hearing loss. It, lyrics are the thing that's hardest to hear, um, but uh, they're still the most important in my mind. Did you start singing at a young age? Um, I, I'd always been singing. My grandmother, you know, had a karaoke machine for a while and always had me singing Patsy Cline. Awesome. So I grew up singing in that respect, yes. Um, but it, um, it wasn't until... Uh, high school that I started like getting into musical theater and taking voice lessons, making it, you know, serious, more serious venture. I just got this mental image right now of you and your grandmother hanging around singing Patsy Cline's I Fall to Pieces <laughs> together. That must have been epic. Oh, oh yeah, it was, it was. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's pretty special. I, I don't, 
I don't even know if all my friends know much Patsy Klein. Like, uh, I feel lucky. Hey, for everybody that's younger than 30 years old, Patsy Cline was a female musician who sang. <laughs> I just, I feel like I need to say that for a couple of people that have never even heard the name before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go walking after midnight. Look it up. Yeah. Um, so dad locked you in the car and basically said, you don't get out until you tell me the name of this song. I have now a uh, goal for my children and grandchildren uh, to set them on mm-hmm. the road to superstardom. And it's to lock them in the car Duh. and not let them out until they know the name of the song. Oh, and not just not just the name, the meaning of the song. That's it. Yeah. Um, but no one ever really was thinking of it in a in a let's let's make Zoe a musician or anything like that. I think it was always like you know, how can we think about things in the world differently or, or look at something in a new light? Always that. He's an engineer. That's his mindset. <laughs> well, engineers try to figure out the way things work and how to, you know, how mm. things fit together. Um, maybe this had some impact on you. You don't just make music, but you also write music and um, writing it, it takes a special skill set. I mean, Let's be honest, most of us, when we listen to music on the radio, it's the tune, it's also the words behind the tune, but we don't sometimes give as much attention to the words. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you, uh, you know, felt drawn to writing music as, uh, instead of just performing mm. other people's songs. Yeah, um, I think growing up, I, I was definitely the bedroom poet type, always writing some poem down, some short story Um, and I think it really stemmed from that and, um, and it grew into, and it grew into music because growing up, I I didn't, I wasn't very confident. I didn't really think I could be a singer or, you know, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't have the big, big voice or, you know, what I thought was the thing. But, um, at the time I was like, I know how to write. I love drawing. I love imagining other worlds and, um, and um, just playing with words. So it really started from that. So obviously you grew up spending a lot of time listening to music, listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've just alluded to this already. So for those people who don't know about your, um, your hearing loss, tell, uh, tell me a little bit about when you started to notice how you started to notice, I think there's something wrong with my hearing. Um, well, it started very young. Uh, my parents were the first to notice. Um, when I was a child, I wasn't responding to them as much. Um, and by the, I don't know if when, I think they figured it out by the time I was four that I had some sort of hearing loss. And by the time I was eight, I lost all hearing in my right ear. Um, when I was little, I didn't really fully understand it. I just knew that the phone didn't work on that side or, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so it started out with that. I think my first genuine memories of realizing I have hearing loss are those first memories of getting hearing tests in the sound booth, um, which is a little daunting when you're a child. And, uh, yeah, and there was a year before my hearing in my right ear completely went out and I wore a hearing aid to school, so... There was that moment where I'm, you know, I'm wearing something that no one else is in the room. And I think that's where I was cognizant of it. So your mom and dad kind of noticed, hey, something doesn't seem right when we're standing on this side of Zoe. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say it's something like that. Yeah, just as a, as a child, I was just not hearing them, responding to them as quickly. And my speech um, was a little different. Uh, there were certain words and things I would just mispronounce that I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine, how, how early did you start wearing the hearing aid? 
Um, I only had it for a year, and I guess that was when I was seven. Um, and then that ear was completely deaf by that point. So um, the hearing aid was of no help. Yeah. Um, I did wear, I do wear another hearing aid in my other ear now, um, which we'll get into, yeah. but I started wearing that in college. So you were seven years old going to school and every seven year old is, is nervous about everything because school is so new and everything mm -hmm. is so intimidating, but you are going to school looking different than every other student in school. That had to be really rough for you for that year that you're wearing the hearing aid. I, th I, I think it, I don't know. I didn't remember anyone picking on me or anything like that. I think Good more than hear. anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also had my little John Lennon circle glasses. Oh, and, this and is awesome. That was a little more obvious. Yeah. Um, but um, I think more than anything, the device itself, I don't know. I don't have a lot of memory on whether anyone picked on me or not, but more than anything was just missing out on what people were saying. I was constantly feeling like, I wasn't very smart or um, even though, I, you know, I was smart, but I felt that these feelings of inadequacy easily did. Uh, if I heard you correctly, by eight ish, you have basically mm. completely lost your hearing in your right ear. Is that right? Yes. Profound hearing loss, completely gone. And the doctors, do they give you any hope for recovering any of the hearing in your right ear? Um, no, they... Um, they don't know why it occurred, why I lost that hearing in the first place. And um, it's, um, th there's just, it's the, probably those hair cells in my ear that are destroyed entirely. So there's, unless stem cell research becomes um, extremely targeted towards, towards hearing loss, um, they, they knew that wasn't going to come back. So Zoe, you just already alluded to so now you've lost hearing completely in your right ear, but your left ear starts to, you're starting to lose hearing in your left ear. Tell everybody when this happens, what was going on and kind of just explain to your, your fans and those that, that are familiar with your music, what, uh, you know, this was like and still what it's, what you're going through. Definitely. Um, so when I did first lose the hearing in my right ear, uh, the doctors had no reason to think that my left ear would be impacted in any way. And um, I just moved on with my life. And it, it was, you know, difficult at times to hear, but it wasn't until I um, went to college that my left ear started deteriorating. Um, and um, as fate should have it, I just changed degrees from a classical music major to a songwriting major. Um, and that first semester of songwriting class, I woke up one day and I couldn't hear out of my left ear. Um, it was sudden and um, the timing couldn't have been worse or more um, more of a moment to that you could easily find yourself questioning your path. But um, I regained, I guess, a little of that hearing and ever since I've been continually waking up and losing hearing just random days, I'll, I, I'll just have lost another chunk of hearing and it's progressively getting worse. What are the doctors telling you about your left ear? Because at this point you have no hearing at all in your right ear. Is that correct? Correct. And then correct. what are they telling you about your left ear now? And what does the future look like? Because this is your total deafness that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I did all the tests I've done, all the genetic tests, the autoimmune tests, all, you know, the scans, there's, um, 
we cannot find out why my hearing is um, deteriorating in that left ear. And strangely enough, the doctors think they're separate issues. Um, really? We've guessed that maybe uh, my right ear, the one that first went out, could have been related to cytomegalovirus, which is something you can get in utero. Um, it may not be, though. There's no definitive way to, to know that. But um, that usually wouldn't occur again in your left ear in your 20s um, after such a long time. So the, the, the gap in time between the two ears losing hearing is what makes them think this might be two separate incidences. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we don't know why it's happening, though. It's um, just, uh, and I, I go to the best doctors. I've, I've, I've seen, seen the people I need to see. And when you started to lose some of the hearing in your left ear, or, uh, let me make sure I get this mm -hmm. right, in the ear that you yeah. still have <laughs> a little bit of hearing, that's your left ear, correct? Correct. The left ear at this point is um, about half deaf, along with tinnitus, and yeah. Oh, man. Um, you started writing, and you were in college, you're finishing up college, and you released your first album while this was still going on, right? In 2016, you, you released the album Like You? Uh, so, Like You, I did release in 2016, and um, let's see, I had just released that album. Um, that was kind of my first uh, step in the water on music and releasing songs. Um, I want to make sure I get this timeline right, because uh, they all start to blend together a little on the losses that I've had. But So I had the, the 2016 album, Like You, which the title track is about my hearing loss. Um, that, I guess, yeah, that was when I first had that big, the first incident with my left ear. The first time I lost hearing in that left ear was around that time. It mm -hmm. had to be scary waking up, um, you know, after being so aware of your hearing. Most of us, well, frankly, anybody who has good hearing typically takes it for granted. You mm -hmm. have been aware of your hearing pretty much your entire life, right? Um, yes. And then you wake up and you are not able to hear at all out of the only uh, ear left that has any hearing. That had to be scary. I, mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how proud I am, Zoe, for you to just keep getting up and making music, not knowing if you're going to be able to hear anything at all tomorrow mm -hmm. um, when you drop your first album. But um, thank you. the hearing loss continues, right? So you have yes. a progressive form of hearing loss. Tell, tell us where it is today and kind of what this looks like for you right now when we're recording this episode. Yes. So um, as I've said, uh, my hearing loss is idiopathic. It, there's, um, we don't know why it's happening and um, it's sensory neural. Um, so I have been every, you know, Sometimes every year, sometimes multiple times a year, I will um, lose another chunk of hearing. Um, and uh, I know that probably eventually I'll go completely deaf. Um, in 2018, uh, this was probably a big um, moment for me. I um, was getting ready to release um, my latest album, How Does It Feel? I'd been recording it. And that December, um, I woke up one day and couldn't hear anything. I was in the studio and couldn't really hear oh, anything. Man. I had to push pause on the record entirely. Um, and at that point, I made some heavy decisions where I got my hearing aid 
and I also decided to get cochlear implant surgery in my right ear. So I took an entire year off to do that before um, making music again and finally releasing that record. So um, that was probably the biggest moment and probably the scariest moment knowing um, how, how serious this has become. Yeah. Um, how does it feel? It came out a couple of years ago, but you're working on this for, it ends up being almost two years. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Because I'd been working on it, recording it, massaging it. And then I had to just make a complete stop. And when I came back to it, there were, you know, in some ways it was a blessing. I, I found new things that I wanted to include in the music or things I wanted to change. So, um, but yes, it, it took a little longer than I had hoped. <laughs> how did the, the, the latest record, how does it feel? How did that do um, when you released it? How, how well is it, has it done in Spotify and Apple Music and, and online? Mm. Yeah, it's made it on some um, Spotify playlists, some Apple Music playlists. Of, um, a couple of my songs um, have made it onto like Apple Music's Best New Country Songs playlist, that sort of thing. But um, uh, the funniest thing is I think that um, right as I was releasing this record, finally ready to get it out in the world, I can got my implant on my side, you know, it's working. Um, COVID hits and I think that was um, a strange time to release music, honestly. Um, so, you know, a time when you couldn't go out and play shows, um, you couldn't go to radio stations, that sort of thing. So it did force me to be creative on how I wanted to spread that music out. Yeah, it's really hard to promote it when you're not able to sit down with anybody in on a radio show or to be able to be in, in a concert or mm -hmm. uh, promoting it. Yeah. Um, I have said many times to our children when uh, we were at the dinner table, like if I had to choose between losing my sight and losing my hearing, uh -huh. it is no choice. It's easy for me. I would gladly lose my sight over my hearing. Mm -hmm. That's how important to me my hearing is. And um, that's not even a, a contest for me because I love music. I love to listen to people. I love to hear conversations. It's one of the reasons why I'm got a set of headphones on and I'm listening to you right now. Huh. So I can, I, I'm trying to imagine what this would have felt like for you when you're working on your second album and you're not sure if you're even going to be able to finish it. Well, you'll, if you'll, what your future looks like, not, maybe not being able to hear anything at all. Can mm -hmm. you, can you describe a little bit of the anxiety, a little bit of the fear of not knowing tomorrow morning when you get up, whether or not you will have any hearing at all? Definitely. I think um, it, it has been really scary. And there are times where I've tried to, you know, put on my tough face and, and, um, and, you know, obviously anything in your life, if you mull on it for too long, it can be more serious or, or feel heavier than it is. But I will say this was extremely difficult. Um, the first time I lost my hearing was scary because that, or the first time I lost my hearing in my left ear in college was was very scary because um, I didn't know how fast it was going to um, degenerate. Um, so that that one I think was the, the probably the scariest at the time that it happened was that first time. Since then it's it's been scary, but um, having my cochlear implant now gives me a little bit of solace. Um, more than anything, like you said, hearing it's 
It's um, our connection to the world in so many ways. It's how I communicate with my family. It's um, how I listen to music. It's, you know, how I do pretty much anything. So um, it, it, it really did, um, I think, at times put me in a, in a serious form of depression and anxiety at times, um, just, just inward kind of feeling. Um, uh, but I guess I, with social media and all of that, I've, I've enjoyed being able to at least have some fun sharing it. I can laugh about a few things with it. But um, on top of just the hearing loss, the, the medication they put you on for it, prednisone, which is um, a steroid, that if anyone's been on that, which I'm sure some one of your listeners I'm sure has, it's um, a pretty popular drug. Um, it, it can make you feel even worse. So I think that really compounded it too. Was um, you know having this steroid that you're taking during the hearing loss, and then just knowing that all of your friendships and family members and everything you have could um, change drastically in in a matter of months or days. Um, and I, most of my friends, I don't think understand it. Some do, but that was all definitely a difficulty, especially in college, um, finding people that understood when I say, yeah, I'm randomly losing my hearing. They kind of look at you funny, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing to explain. Um, so I'd, I'd say it's, it's been a journey. The one thing that oddly enough that, um, I don't worry about is music. For some reason, I've never thought really doing it yeah no um my mom will tell me that too she's like you worry about everything except the the music part and uh, for some reason I mean it's scary but maybe I don't want that seeping into that part of my life I'm not sure but for some reason I've never thought I should stop this or let's just make it a hobby you know Zoe you are <laughs> a modern day Beethoven who loses <laughs> his hearing and ends up making some of his most famous music of all times and when wow. the crowd is going wild behind him, he doesn't even notice until they spin his chair around and he can see that people are actually applauding the music uh -huh. that he created. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, it's Christmas time. We're right in the heart of it. You know, everywhere mm -hmm. you go, people are listening to the Christmas music on the radio. It's the, man, that terrible Christmas music that you hear at the department stores. So I wanted uh -huh. to talk about Christmas memories and Christmas music for a few minutes. Um, tomorrow night is Christmas Eve in the United States. You got a favorite Christmas Eve memory, like one of those things, like that was the night that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life that you want to share with everybody? That's fun. I do. Um, Christmas Eve, we have always, always spent at my grandmother's house growing up um, with my cousins and my three younger brothers and we all piled into like the two rooms um, and break you know, out the, the karaoke machine. Right. Cause we are at grandma's house. Oh, different. Oh, darn it. Um, oh yeah. Thankfully I have two amazing grandmas. Um, but uh, I think there's like seven kids, you know, stuffed in these rooms and we're all listening for bells and different things. Um, I think the morning of was always the funniest though. Cause my cousins like to sleep in and we'd be a, there's some rooms on one side of the living room and there's another room on the other side of the living room. Um, and each of the, each group of family, you know, members were in each room and we would be like yelling across the, the room, like, wake up, you know, we'd just be in our room, just giddy to get out. 
Um, but they, they, they appreciated their sleep in the morning. So you were the annoying cousin that was up at four thirty or five o'clock on Christmas morning oh. is what you're saying. And the rest of them were still <laughs> sound asleep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I had three brothers. So I mean, it was mob mentality there. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, of course. Um, let's talk about Christmas music for a little bit. Cause I have this little segment I like to do in the middle of the show. It's just to kind of help people understand a little bit about me. Also get to know you mm. a little bit better. So I want to talk about some of your favorite Christmas music or Christmas songs. I'm going to give you my top five Christmas Ooh. songs of all time. Um, but I, you don't have to give me five, but I want you to just think while I'm talking and you tell us a couple of your favorite Christmas pieces of all time um, for mm -hmm. me. And I'm just going to do this kind of um, going uh, from the bottom, from number five up to number one. One of my favorite Christmas songs of all time is White Christmas. It really doesn't even matter who does it. It can be the Bing Crosby or the Elvis uh, or even, you know, the um, some of the rock and roll versions of it. I like the song White Christmas. Um, I mm -hmm. love um, the Snoopy Christmas musical. So that <laughs> whole, um, you know, piano piece that Schroeder plays on the piano. I don't even know if there's, if there's a name for this thing. But when I hear that music in the background, I immediately start to think about the, um, the Charlie Brown Christmas special and that music that Schroeder is banging out on the piano in the background. Um, one of my favorite Christmas songs is Mariah Carey. You know, she makes like $2 million a year on one song. And it's the song All I Want for Christmas. Um, <laughs> But I also love the Christian hymns around Christmas time. One of my favorite is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But this may surprise you, Zoe. My favorite Christmas song of all times is actually a blues song. It was performed mm -hmm. by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which is like the greatest Christmas band in the history of the human race. And they've got a song called Music Box Blues. Now, if you're listening to this podcast today and you've never heard Music Box Blues, just go ahead and check it out on Apple Music or on Spotify. That song is probably one of my favorite songs of all time, not just my favorite Christmas song. I love it. It beats Schroeder on the piano for me any day. <laughs> what about well, you, Zoe? Uh, tell, tell me a couple of your favorite Christmas songs. Yeah, that last one, maybe I've heard it, but I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, you got to go listen to it. It'll, you'll uh -huh. be hooked after the first note. So favorite Christmas songs. When you first said that, like the thing that popped in my head immediately, and I don't know if I truly have a, a, a top five list because it's really hard. Um, there's so many good ones. But I immediately, um, my mind went to Christmas Vacation when Chevy Chase is in of the attic course. looking at all yeah. his family videos and that... Um, um, Christmas is the time of year for being with the ones we love, sharing so much joy and cheer, singing songs about Jesus. You know, the, I'm trying now to you're just showing off that. because you sounded yeah. better in your living room than the than the um, recorded version of that piece. <laughs> oh, no, it gets uh, some of the notes I can't hit. But um, I'm trying to think um, I, the name is escaping me of who sings that. Um, whoever is listening to this podcast. Yeah, somebody should, knows what it is. Just go ahead and put on social media the title of the song and who the artist is. Uh -huh. I'm going to feel really embarrassed. I'm, I'm like typing on my computer. Christmas is the time 
of year. But hey, I'd rather someone else engage. Let's have some fun. Someone say hi and, and, and say who you think it is. Somebody tell everybody who's listening right now on social media what the title of this song is and who, and who mm -hmm. performed it. Yes. Uh -huh. um, you got a Christmas song under your belt, right? Is this one of your favorites? Hmm? I said, you have a Christmas song under your belt. Is that one of your yes. favorites? Um, Christmas 93 is, is the title of the song. It's out on, you know, the Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, anywhere you stream music. Um, but I, I wrote it. The reason it's special is because I wrote it using partially um, my grandfather's poem called Christmas 93. And... Um, is there's my my grandfather writes poems all the time for Christmas cards for birthday cards for just moments in time and it's amazing he can remember literally every one of them uh, we want to make a book of them I think he's a hairdresser by trade but he should have been just he should have been just a poet in my opinion um, but I, I took some of his, his lyrics and, and put it together to make this kind of somber but hopeful song about Christmas and what it means to you it sounds like you got your songwriting abilities passed down to you genetically if they come <laughs> from your grandfather's ability to write poetry. Oh, I think I did. That definitely added to it. Um, when you say that, I, I do have to share this one story. Um, yeah, all go of, for uh, it. During Christmas, um, we'll go see my grandfather, and um, he does this thing every year, my Papa John, where he writes out these poems that are um, essentially a scavenger hunt throughout his house. And sometimes they end up with, you know, a little bit of fire or balloons blowing up or something at the end. Um, and each piece of the scavenger hunt may have like a, a dollar bill or something in it. And that's, that's the Christmas gift by the Sounds end. Sounds like so but, much fun. Uh, it's so much fun. And, um, and just the, the poems themselves, they're not really poems, but just the the, the rhymes that he puts in these um, scavenger hunts and these clues are are just special in themselves, the way he words things. it's That's just figuring out what he meant is half the fun, you know? Yeah. Your grandfather, mm -hmm. your, your grandparents sound really cool, but I want to make sure I just heard you correctly. Not only is your grandfather a poet, but your grandfather is Papa John, the guy who created Papa John's Pizza? Oh, totally. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm messing with uh -huh. you. That would be pretty cool, uh -huh. though, because I know what, what, yeah. what you guys would be eating at your house on Christmas Eve. Hmm? I said, I know what, what Papa John would be serving at his house on Christmas oh. Eve, if that was oh, the yeah. case. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, hey, you got a couple of songs out. They're new releases, and they're doing really well. Talk about Wildflower, and then tell me about Rescue. Let's hear um, about these two songs that just came out. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I released Wildflower in July and Rescue just in October. Um, they, I kind of see them as sister songs. Um, they, um, they're very different when you listen to them. One is upbeat and fun. The other is more pensive and thoughtful. But, um, but I, I feel like they embody um, vulnerability and resiliency. Yeah, um, re rescue is the vulnerability. Wildflower is the resiliency. And... It's something that um, is something I deal with in my life of, of those moments where you need to be vulnerable, but also strong. Um, with wildflower, it's all about being a little wildflower. They're the tough, they're a tough little flower. They get blown everywhere, kicked around, and they always seem to survive. Um, unless you plant them in my dad's yard, they never survive there for some reason. Um, the deer always eat them, but um, 
And rescue is all about um, needing to reach out, not needing, but being brave enough to reach out to someone when you need help. Um, I think that's something, especially the last couple of years, we've all been more cognizant of is that we need to not be afraid to reach out to people and say, hey, I, I need a help, a helping hand. I need, I need a moment where I'm rescued and where I'm taken care of. And, and also the same, don't be afraid to go reach out to someone else, especially Christmas time. Um, yeah. It's in time when so many of us have family members, but not, not everyone does. I think that's really important maybe just to text someone and reach out and say Merry Christmas. Yeah or happy Annika, whatever, you know. Absolutely. People's emotional, um, you know, their emotional conditions run hot and cold, but not very much in the middle during Christmas time. Some people, this is the greatest time of the year. For others, this is by far the worst time of the year, and they're just trying to survive the holidays because mm -hmm. it's got a lot of really painful memories associated with it. You just, exactly. man, you just described a, an incredible, a beautiful combination, Zoe, of being vulnerable and resilient at the same time. And in fact, as I'm listening to you today, I'm, I'm hearing you use words like you're anxious and even depressed because of what's happening to your hearing that you have absolutely no control over. And even worse, don't even know what tomorrow holds for your hearing. That itself would cause a lot of people to just withdraw uh, you mm -hmm. know, kind of um, pull themselves out of the spotlight. But the fact that you're willing to to continue to write songs, continue to make music, continue to pursue your f passion in spite of some of your medical challenges, man, I'm so impressed. So as you're talking, I'm thinking about ladies that struggle with self-esteem. And I'm thinking Zoe is sitting here describing how to overcome some really challenging issues that could seriously undermine a woman's self-esteem. There's dudes that face self-esteem too. They just don't like to admit it. Maybe women are more willing to admit it. So can you talk to the people that are listening right now um, that are struggling with some real self-esteem issues because you could have just completely withdrawn and, uh, you know, not pursued your passion because uh, of the hearing loss. So would you talk to people that are struggling with this right now? Oh, yes. I, this is a topic I, I love to talk about, something that I experience. And I don't know if you can get through life without experiencing it at some point. It hits us all sometimes harder towards others than, you know, but it, it's something that we all experience in some way. And I hope that is um, comforting as well that, you're not alone, A. I think that's really important to remember that as hard as it may feel, I, there is someone out there who's felt the way you feel and it's, it's a normal process of being a human. Um, but uh, with self-esteem, I think with the hearing loss side of it, there were times where I, I, it sounds crazy saying it now, but I felt like no one would love me. You know, I wouldn't find the, the perfect guy. Like, the, those, you know, everyone thinks I'm not very smart. I never have, you know, anytime I go out, I just stare blankly at people. You know, there are times where that happens. Um, I've had people laugh at me thinking I'm not deaf, like I'm just making a joke. I've had that multiple times where I'm genuinely trying to hear them. And th those sorts of things make, make me personally not want to go out. Um, I do have a little of my mother in me who is the most social person in the world. So that helps. Um, um, but, um, I also have my dad in me. Um, they're, they're, they're perfect opposites, but 
I think, I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be hearing loss. It doesn't have to be a disability at all. Um, it, it, with social media, I think we compare ourselves as women, especially a lot. I'm, I'm trying to be mindful of not using like filters that alter my face, things of that nature, even that change, you know, who I am or who I want to present myself as. I think, um, it's, it's hard though. I think that, um, growing up in, in a social media world, especially makes it that much harder. It, it, yeah, it's wonderful. We get to talk to each other um, because of it, but um, I, I, I guess if you are feeling that way, A, don't be afraid to reach out to a friend. You can reach out to me even. I have social media. I've got direct message. I'm more than happy to say hi. Um, and B, just maybe every day write something about yourself that you love. And if you can't figure out anything, call someone who cares about you and let them write it for you and let them write that list. I think that's something I have to do. I have to call my mom all the time and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm feeling horrible today. I feel this about myself, that about myself, or call a friend and say that. And yeah, just don't be afraid to, to do that. I think that's the number one is just talking about it. Don't let it all be bottled up inside you. Yeah. By the way, Zoe, dudes do this too. They measure themselves oh, yeah. against one <laughs> another and then they feel totally um, inadequate because the other dude that they're looking at on social media has the perfect life. When everybody in the universe knows that life's not perfect, but the social media profile yeah. really looks perfect. Um, oh. I think there's yeah. a lot of power in what you just said, though. You described how just losing your hearing could make you um, impact your sense of self-worth or h- how you thought people viewed you, even, mm-hmm. in ver- even in ways that had nothing to do with your hearing. And I hope the person that's listening right now that's struggling with some self-worth or some self-esteem issues are learning a really powerful lesson from you. Those kinds of things. They're not connected. Don't listen to that inside voice that says you're not worth anything because you got some problems or you've been struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most of the time we, um, this is a great example, I guess, if you want to pair it back to hearing loss, um, I, I have tinnitus, which is a constant ringing in my ears. Um, it's high pitched and it's annoying, but, um, (laughs) And, a lot, you know, a lot of people get that when they have hearing loss. But um, if I think about it, it gets worse. It's, it's, a, it's my brain making the ringing sound because I, my hearing loss, it is trying to make up for it somehow. So if I think about it, it gets worse. It's worse than it's ever been. And I think that what, what you feed is what grows, you know. So as, as much as you can try to feed the good in your life, even if it's just 1% a day one little tiny little percent of, of something good. Mm-hmm. And that tinnitus will die down. Yeah. Look at that. You uh-huh. just a moment ago, you used a statement that I don't think I've heard very often. I think it's really wise. What you've said, you used the word brave and said, be brave enough to reach out to other people. Some people, um, they just have the, uh, they've been taught that it's a sign of weakness to let somebody know that you're hurting or to let somebody know that you need help. But you just Mm -hmm. said the word brave. Why do you use the word brave when you're telling people to reach out? I I love that you took note of that. That's, that's so true. It's so important. Yeah. Look at it's right there in my notes. Yeah. I mean, I feel this way too. There are times where I feel like, ah, 
if I tell everyone all about myself and how I'm feeling, they're, you know, they're going to think less of me. They're going to think I'm weird, you know, or crazy, whatever they're going to think. But hey, that if that's how people are going to think, then you don't need that person in your life anyway. But um, it, it is it is a brave thing to say how you're feeling. I, I genuinely believe it is. And if someone were to come to me, if a friend said, hey, I'm having trouble, I, I see them as a stronger person because of it. I don't see them as something less. I mean, and that may be, take a minute to find your people that you, you know, that you can be that confident with, but just, I, I don't, I, I'm not the best at explaining it. I just know, I promise you that you are brave when you do that. And people that, have a good eye and a good heart will take note of it. They yeah. will see that in you as being brave. I'm taking note of it right now. When you made that statement, I was thinking this woman is very wise. So I want to just add to what you said. I'm just going to tell you if you're listening right now and you're the kind of person that feels like I cannot admit my weaknesses because people will think less of me, you're actually making life worse for yourself. It takes courage. Mm -hmm but it is a big step in the right direction for you to say, hey, I need to tell a friend or somebody really close to me that I'm struggling so that maybe they can come alongside me and help me in an area where I'm struggling. Don't be the guy mm -hmm. or the gal that doesn't let anybody, that makes it look like you got it all put together. Cause you don't, I don't, no nobody does. does. Yeah. No, exactly. Be brave, mm -hmm. reach out, tell people when you're struggling. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Zoe, people that have heard this broadcast, but they're not familiar with you, how do they get connected? First of all, how do they find your music? Secondly, how do they get connected with you personally? Yes. So finding my music is easy. Whatever streaming platform you use, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Deezer, or just any of them, um, my music should be on it. Just look up Zoe Nut, Z-O-E. Um, and, um, if you want to get connected on social media in another way, I am always on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, and I also have an email list. If you, uh, go to the link in my bio on Instagram or my website, it, it always leads you to the email list somehow. Um, we'll put in the notes to this show. Hey, if you're listening, we'll put in the notes to this show, how you can find her social media platforms, go to her website, how, how you can find her music. Um, awesome. But tell everybody one more time again, if they want to start following you, how they can get connected on your email list. Yes. Um, so if you go to my website, zoenut.com, the email list um, is at the bottom of that page. And um, if you go to my Instagram or Facebook bio, it will also lead you to a button that says newsletter. And that's um, where I'm hoping to start, you know, sharing even more in-depth stuff about myself um, and that maybe you wouldn't get on social media. Yeah. So some of the good stuff is on the email list. That's what you're saying. You got to get on the email list if you want the good stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you should be on all of it. I mean, if you're going to be a fan, you might as well. That's right. But if you're going to be a fan, <laughs> go all the way in and be her fan and uh, by jumping on her email list. Hmm. Zoe, you've helped one or two people during this episode, no question in my mind, that are struggling with some doubts, some self-esteem, some anxiety issues. But I also want people to know there have been some folks in the past that have had hearing problems like you, and they've reached out to you. Are you okay with people that connect with you saying, hey, I, I think I'm going through something similar? Oh, for sure. Um, I, a lot of people reach out to me about that. Um, and I'm trying to... Um 
find a way to hopefully streamline some of my thoughts and maybe in a blog form as well to really share that info in depth with people. Um, but please reach out. Um, I love that. I love building this community. And I mean, let's be honest, hearing loss is an invisible disability. It's something you can't see. So sometimes you just got to say, hey, I got it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's strength in numbers. And when people realize, oh, she has the same problem that I do, that can, that can really help. Go ahead. Talk about Instagram. Oh, I was just going to say Instagram is seems to be the easiest way to get a hold of me in that way to reach out. Um, it's what it's the platform I'm on the most. So um, that's my recommendation. Well, Zoe, I want to say thanks. Tomorrow night when chestnuts are roasting on an open fire. I hope you have a great Christmas oh. Eve. But thanks for taking the time to be on this episode of Unbeatable with me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was um, a wonderful part of my day, and um, let's do it again sometime. Uh, sounds great. We'll see you. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of Unbeatable. I hope you were challenged by what Zoe said. It takes real courage. It's a brave man or a brave woman who is willing to reach out and tell somebody when they're struggling. And if you've just found this podcast for the first time, did you know that you can follow us on social media? We're pretty much everywhere. If you just type in at Unbeatable Podcast, you'll be able to find our social media platforms. And Zoe has an email list, so do we. I would love to get you connected and help you become part of the Unbeatable Army. You can join that email list by going to unbeatablearmy.com. Now for this Christmas, we're going to end this episode with the rest of Zoe's song. I hope you love the rest of the song, and I hope you have a great Christmas. Can't you see I'm reaching and I need